Yeah. Does it talk about um, expectations or no? No. Very brief article. Just says old guy raising huh. money for wounded warriors and has a bugle. Okay. So what about Killington? Okay. So we made it to Killington. And now he's heading towards the whites. Yeah. yeah. So, so keep a lookout. Yeah. A week, week and a half. He should be here. This is super cool. I mean, we should definitely try to find the guy. Maybe I'll try to get out there and film him or something. Yeah, well, if he's going to be in Evans Notch this weekend, he, I might see him. Probably not, though. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear him. Yeah, hear him. Uh, so then, in keeping with the theme of people carrying weird shit while they're hiking the Appalachian Trail, there's another guy <laughs> that... Um, he came through the Whites last week, so he's probably in the Mahoosics at this point. The guy's name is Sean Mahoney, and he hit Musalaki... Or Musalak. Matter of fact, my wife was at a um, she was at her yoga class last night, and the instructor was talking about how she was going hiking, and she's like obsessed with hiking. Apparently, this lady, and mm-hmm. she was saying how she didn't know whether it was Musalaki or Musalak. And my wife asked me, and I was like, I call it Musalaki, <laughs> but well, you should direct them to the episodes that we yes. discussed this. Well, then my wife said, she's like, I told, she's like, it's always so embarrassing, but she's like, I told the lady that's going hiking, she was like, well, you know, my husband hosts a podcast. <laughs> and uh, the lady was like, oh my God, I want to know all about it. So she, she plugged the podcast. So maybe the yoga instructor is listening now. <laughs> Musalaki. But anyway, I got off track. So there's this guy, Sean Mahoney. <laughs> from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire. Welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. Live, I'm recording. I'm live too. Let's do it live. All right, so this is episode 65, Stomp, so welcome retire now <laughs> yeah sure um and with i all these donations actually you may be able to i don't know i don't know um <laughs> but just so that you are aware ahead of time there may be some noise going on my daughter decided to i'm in the the, the woodpecker studio south virgin is in my basement so i get my daughter doing laundry and then my wife's been like doing dishes upstairs so you might hear some water going on so my apologies it's playing in uh, but I want to know, Stomp, I, um, you did the Pemi float, and yes. I want to know, how was that? Oh my god, it was perfect. How many people? Uh, we had about a dozen or so. I mean, jeez, it was high 80s, maybe low 90s, uh, just beautiful. The, the water was flowing really well, it wasn't low, I didn't scrape the bottom of the tubes once, it was like perfect. Absolutely a great time. Yeah, yeah. I think last time I went, that was like there was some sections where we had to like just walk like it was like ankle depth or something like that. But we, we made most of it was floating. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, we've had enough rain recently to really up the uh, water, so it was fine. 
where do you start? Or is this secret? Like, can you give away all the details? During COVID, several spots closed um, because of the just the amount of people that were showing up. But we start maybe exit 28 off at 93, and that's Campton. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different variations, but they tend to be a lot longer. And if you have low water, it can be a hell of a day. It's just mm-hmm. like way too long. Um, when I showed up this um, for this one, Nick had Nick Rillo, Yep. Uh, by the way, uh, he had kayaks. So, you know, that's always a safe bet this time of the year or late, late fall. But, um, you know, we did tubes and it was fine. Absolutely fine. So there were different sections. Like Jimmy Chaga was saying, hey, let's try some different area. Let's go north. Let's go south, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we love this one spot. It's like maybe three miles. You know, you fill up your, your cooler, get your tubes, simple car spot, easy peasy. Just hit a sandbar and that's it? Oh, yeah. I mean, we stopped several times. I think this trip took us... Let me see. We started around 11, and we probably got out around 4-ish, 5-ish, if I oh, remember nice. correctly. And did but, Jimmy uh, go? That's a long day. Yeah. No, he had some uh, some other obligations. What uh, what was your float? Did you have the, like, the, the rainbow unicorn, or <laughs> oh, did you dude. do something else? <laughs> so, Mrs. Stomp had the ice dragon from Game of Thrones, yep. and I had a giraffe, which okay. was pretty cool yeah nice little giraffe with like a six foot tall neck all right mrs stomp if you can just send us some photos of that <laughs> stomp on the giraffe that would be great uh, yeah all sunburned i mean i got fried yeah. so then you go so you start at exit 28 you go o- yep. over the river and then there's like a that little pull off where we went i remember we went that one time and there was like that remember there was like an accident like a a, a motorcycle got hit by a car or something uh, yeah like a big thing well, but that's that, what I mean. That that spot was closed because that closed. There, okay. there were so many people and it was private property. So um, oh. whoever owns that, they closed that. But you can still access it from the north side of 49. Okay. Um, you know, you, you come off exit 28, take a left, and there's a gravel uh, quarry on the left directly opposite on the right you'll see the parking spot okay and then again three miles down um it's the what is it the farm table or the covered bridge covered bridge i mean it's it's simple to find and then you just so you go down like three four miles and then it's what is it exit 27 you just go on and yeah you leave a car there and then you're good to go yeah u.s uh forest service same exit Okay. Wow. Well, that's good times if anybody's ever looking to do something fun. Good, good. I time. feel like it's not as crowded as the Saco, though. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but like, definitely I feel not. Like this, the Saco gets crazy, especially like between North Conway and into Freiburg. Yep. If you go to like from Freiburg into like the Brownfield Bridge, and if you go beyond the Brownfield Bridge into Hiram and Saco, it's like nobody. But, but I feel mm-hmm. like the Pemi is not it's as super crowded. clean, too. Oh, yeah. Super clean. The last time I did the sock was like way back, like had to be like maybe 20 years ago. Super, I don't know. I was not really happy with it. It was pretty dirty. Yeah, well, I, I don't know how dirty it is now, but it's just like chaotic. Like there's, especially if you go from Saco Bound, which is right on Route 16, like that's chaotic to the pig farm. Yeah. 
<clears throat> going from like the Freiburg, there's a bridge in Freiburg that you go to the Brownfield Bridge. That's okay. There's like little ponds that you can go off and chill out and whatever, but even that gets crowded. But yeah. I, if you go from like the Brownfield Bridge down into Hiram on the Saco, that is that's awesome because it's like never crowded. It's pretty deep though, so you can't really float. You have to like take a canoe or a kayak. Huh. So, I mean, I guess you can float, but I just never did that. So, yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah, the Pemi is super shallow. I mean, there are maybe a handful of spots that are a bit deeper, but, you know, as long as it's not flowing really fast and, and deep, you're good. They have that phrase, you know, if the Pemi is brown, you will drown. And uh, I think you take that to heart, mm-hmm. you know, for, most, for the most part, because that river is pretty dangerous. Yeah, I mean, when I went on, it was pretty tame, but I could imagine, like, it could get crazy. I've seen it running yeah. very hot, obviously. Um, what do you do for, like, keeping your drinks cold? Do you, I can't remember what we did last time, but, like, I feel like we just dragged, like, drinks behind us somehow, but I, I can't remember. Did we have, like, a separate <laughs> float with a with a cooler? Yeah, I think there are two methods that I've seen. You have either an inflatable sort of uh, cylindrical uh, float that will hold ice and beers or drinks or whatever. Or you have what what I use personally is like this rectangular float with um, a net floor that you can that's put your cooler right. in. So that's what we use. It just gives you a little more space and you can tuck your, you know, flip-flops or whatever you need in, in between. So that works out pretty well. I, I find the cylindrical thing a little too small. Um, but there are so many different things. I mean, people, some of the people going down the river have these monstrous, like, like it's like water world, like these mega cities that they attach together, like yeah, several yeah. floats and this and that. But, uh, yeah, you can find those things at uh, Walmart or, you know, any, any place in particular. Now, <laughs> like give it, give it like one more month and all the stuff disappears. You know how they, they rotate stuff so early. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, now's the time to get your floats, for sure. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's it's a fun time, so I highly recommend that, especially if like you if you're a family and you're like looking for something unique to do and you're staying in Lincoln for like a week or whatever and you got a free day like floating the Pemi is uh, just make sure that like you're, you're responsible and if you got kids you're bringing like life jackets and all that stuff and oh, you know, obviously totally. if there's like crazy rain or whatever like you keep an eye on things, get get some intel, but generally like this time of the year if it hasn't rained a lot, it's pretty pretty uh, mellow to float on the Pemi. Yeah, especially this stretch from like 27 to exit 20. No, sorry, 28 to 27. Yeah. It's not bad. Awesome. All right, stop. So the change into subjects here. I have a new Netflix obsession. Oh, yeah, really? I thought they were going out of business. I don't know. I guess they're not. <laughs> but they have this new show and it's actually pretty great. It's called Snowflake Mountain. Oh, okay. Do tell. Yeah. So have you seen it? I've seen the little uh, avatar for it, but uh, I have no idea what it's about. So I got the next show for you and Mrs. Stomp here. So you'll like it. So it's like 10 young, (laughs) it's like 10 young people and they all like, they all seem to be like financially dependent on their parents. They Mm -hmm. all seem to like, they give the backstory, like they're getting driven to like this. They think it's like a five-star resort. Um, but they do the backstory. So they all seem to be financially dependent on their parents. They all seem to have like really bad attitudes. They seem to like sort of 
brag about the fact that they like have a poor work ethic, very superficial, um, in you know attitudes, which I find that like that is like the meme version of young people today. But like what I found is like through my work and through like my own kids and their friends, like I don't find that to be true. I find that like a lot of these younger folks are very a lot smarter, more put together than I ever was. Good work ethic, and you know, so a lot of that stuff is just like. You know, they're looking to get an audience here. But anyway, 10 superficial young people supposed to be going to a five star (laughs) resort. The parents are essentially like it's like a soft, like wilderness camp type of situation. But it's like they think they're on a reality show competition. They're going to go to this nice resort, but they really take them to the top of this like mountain. It's in the it's the locations in the UK. So it's like it almost looks like a logging road that you would see in like Western Maine or something. So it's not like a giant mountain or anything like that, but Lincoln woods. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) yeah. And then they've like, basically they dump their, their suitcases out and they tell them like, you can only take certain things. And like, some of the girls are like, I need my full makeup kit and all this stuff. And they have no idea like what's going on in the wilderness. And then they put like these two guys that are like essentially like the Mike and stomps of like the, the show and they're these like I want to see these guys now yeah yeah they're like they're better looking well one of them's better looking than us but the other one's not so much um but they're like the ones that are supposed to be like the wilderness like survival people not that I'm a survival but you would have you get the point like they have experience in the outdoors so they don't take any shit and they're telling the the you know these 10 people that they're going to be in this show that's like requires them to like do stuff in the outdoors so they've got to build like a lean to and they got to do all these activities and then the people that are the most annoying get like voted onto this like isolation lake which is like they've got to march down they have to march down like a mile away from everybody else that's in like these yurts or whatever and um deal with isolation lake where they're like by themselves sleeping in these like lean to's and I don't know if they had any sleeping pads or anything like that. They were screaming about how they were freezing and like they, you know, very mm-hmm. uncomfortable in the outdoors. So um, it's an amusing show. I thought it was pretty good. It's a good way to sort of kill, kill 45 minutes or so. Yeah. So what, what season was this for the episode or season? This is first season. And I think no, I, I get made... that, but like winter, summer, I mean. Oh, oh, oh. It looks like. Um... It looks like it could be like late spring or early fall. Like it's not super hot, but it's not freezing cold either. Yeah. Okay. Which is a challenge for sure for most yeah. people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I think the temperature. Shoulder season is, yeah, it's safe for like a production like that, but it's not. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, I thought it was pretty good, but I just feel like I do think like young people in general do tend to get a bad rap when it comes to like these types of shows, I think that they take the most sort of vapid caricatures of what you think young people are like and exploit that versus the reality. Like I know a ton of like young people that are into hiking and outdoors and like are really put together well when it comes to their careers and their education and, you know, their, their fitness and wellness. So uh, I like the show and it's a funny concept, but I also feel like it's a little disingenuous that they're they're just picking on like this generation, making them seem like they're they're more disorganized than they are. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's sort of the trend with with a lot of these shows. They're just looking for the the clicks or whatever. I haven't seen a show yet where they really treat the people fairly. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. 
none of these reality shows are, are reality, but it did get me thinking, Stomp. I was thinking about, you know, there is definitely like that streak of sort of like vapidness and, um, you know, very shallow approach, like especially people that are like in the social media influencing and things like that. And, you know, I've noticed like Coachella and like Burning Man and these sort of outdoor concert venues like these three or four day like yeah these festival things like it seems like people are very into um you know getting in touch with nature through these festivals or whatever but then again not they're not so much but it makes me wonder like at what point are some of these influencers and some of these you know famous people gonna gonna discover like through hiking and Simplicity, long distance hiking, and and and, but bringing sort of their also their sensibilities around like the Hollywood lifestyle. Like, when is somebody famous going to find the AT and start hiking, and it's going to become a thing? Like, I do think that that's going to happen eventually. I, I can I can pinpoint a few, and you may know that Peter Dinklage is an avid hiker. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. He's one. On my end. In the DJ world, there's a DJ who's from the UK whose name is Genix with a G, G E N I X. Mm-hmm. And he's always hiking. And he's actually like, when, when he'll do a show out in New York, like Manhattan, he'll get some of his you know fans together uh, to do a hike through you know Central Park. <laughs> so there are people out there, but you're right. It's uh, not as common as you would think. Yeah, and these things have a way of ebbing and flowing. Like yeah. I know running, especially running, like road races in the like mid two thousands were huge. Like you know, you get like, yeah, I remember doing like Wednesday night races in Southern New Hampshire with like a thousand people running a ten k crazy yeah. stuff. And now like you, a lot of these road races, they're scraping by to get like three four hundred people. So things it's things weird. do yeah they ebb and flow. But I'm just like oh my god, the Kardashians discover through hiking or something what a nightmare yeah i think i grew up with uh the great race in lynn and boston and the, you know all the suburbs do you remember that no basically people would run x amount of miles and hit different bars along the way like there's almost like this greater sense of community attached to it as well which community seems to be missing with a lot of these things unfortunately yeah, because everybody's like got their face in their phones or whatever. So yeah, they get, their, who knows? They get their, their community itch through their like social huge. media groups. But um, I've definitely seen like different running clubs that have that sort of like run to one bar and then run to another or whatever. Yeah, and stuff like that. But interesting. But anyway, so anyway, Snowflake Mountain is the show on Netflix. Stomp. So report back to me and let me know okay. what you uh, so much. <laughs> Will do. All right. So next thing we got breaking news. Stomp. Big big news Oof. on the not Lodge to Dodge. But Dodge to Lodge. Yes. Can you believe it? Tell the audience. When what did happened. you when did you find out? I think you texted me on Saturday morning and you were like, Oh my God, oh. um Steve is sixty miles into Lodge to Dodge and I think yep. you originally thought he was going northbound, but then he I had no idea on us. I had no idea what he was doing. I had no idea he was doing it. I had no idea he was training for it. I had no idea of anything. So 
for the audience's sake, like Steve, <laughs> Steve Mason, like he, him and Larson did the Lodge to Dodge a couple of weeks ago. Steve, we had to, we met him um, up in the Zealand Trail. Me and Storm met him and hiked out with him. He was wasn't lying. feeling great. Yeah, he wasn't feeling great or whatever. Yeah. But like he just he's one of those guys that you know, like okay, he's got a challenge in front of him. He needs to complete it. Like there was no way he wasn't going back to do it. But and I should have but, known that with Steve, but. You know, with my experience with Steve, he has like a full year booked out. So I figured, okay, he's done for Lodge to Dodge for the next, you know, until next summer. So I wake up Saturday morning at 7 a.m. or so, and I have a text from Larson who completed the Lodge to Dodge previously. And it's a picture (laughs) exactly what you said that Steve's 60 miles in and he's doing. and at the time, I didn't notice the wording. I just assumed it was Lodge to Dodge, but it was Dodge to Lodge. So, Lodge to Dodge in reverse. And the, the message was very simple. It's like, show up at uh, Ravine Lodge at 1130, and uh, he's like 10 miles left to go. So, literally, I roll out of bed, just put my clothes on, and run out the door. It was crazy. When I sent you the text, I was literally going out the door so i make my way to uh ravine lodge and i could not believe it there were cars all the way out to the highway which is what 118 yep so that road from 118 into the lodge itself is probably two miles it was packed with cars and it just reinforced the idea that i never want to hike a 48 ever again (laughs) yeah I know I'm all set. It's like, oh my god, I could not believe it. So, I I pull up to the uh, the junction where that the sign says no parking beyond the Y here. You know, mm-hmm. so you know I, I I just sort of broke the rules and drove down to where the bridge was with my truck and I put on the uh, the I belong here face. Have you yes. ever tried that? Oh yeah, I'm trying to fake it till you make it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> so I put the the I belong here face on and drove right to the bridge and parked and just got ready for them to show up. And um, they pulled it off. It was really nice. Like, you know, as I was waiting, um, Captain Chris Wright and Tracy Morgan showed up and we were chatting for a while. And what they re- revealed to me as we were waiting for Steve was that he... He was a little bit in his head. Uh, that's probably the wrong phrase to use, but um, it was definitely a chip on his shoulder. I yeah, guess yeah. that's a little gentler. Um, but the the amount of support that he had for each segment of this adventure, I mean, remind you, it's like 70 plus miles. Yeah, 70, what do you get? 73 miles, around 30,000 feet of elevation gain, and it was about 35 hours. Yeah, yeah, there were characters on this adventure that I had not met and that I did not meet, but basically Captain Chris started with him um, in the, the wee hours of the morning and did the Wildcats. He did the Wildcats with Steve okay. and, um, and then met up with a few others. Um, you know, it, it's it's a very complicated um, support team and I can't wait to get them all in here to talk about it because I'm so impressed. Um, the final team, you know, there were four folks. Larson joined in from, I believe, 
uh, Lonesome Lake, along with Gwen Stratton and uh, and Brady, who was on the original attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they came rolling in a little later than 1130. It was closer to 12, but uh, he pulled it off. And the big difference with this one, two differences... It's a dodge to lodge, sure. It's the reverse. It's backwards. Some may say it, it, it's easier, in a sense. I mean, it's like going downhill. I, when you know what Steve did, you're going to say, okay, yeah, that's, that's bullshit. He added all of the peaks of the presidential. So this is Steve's original vision. My original vision was a hut-to-hut with the Wildcats and Joe Dodge and then Ravine Lodge added on. When Steve came on board, he was like, oh, dude, we got to add on all the peaks. (laughs) So that is what he pulled off on this one. So it's absolutely incredible. It's it's an incredible feat. Yeah, it's very impressive. So he, um, you know, I got the sense from just when we drove back to... um, you know, to pink him after the first time. Like, I definitely got the sense that he was going to do it again. I just didn't think it would like be soon. Quickly. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get a sense that it would be that quick, though. I didn't either. Yeah, it was like the perfect weekend, though. Yes, the, the weather was perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. But let's uh, let's put a pin in this so that we can. I think we're going to try to get Stephen Larson into the studio to just do a deep dive on this one. So we'll 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 get into it in a week or two. Yeah, for sure, because we want to talk about the first one, the second one, and where it's going from there. Okay, so just switching topics now, Stomp. We've got a couple of, uh, we always cover these in the beginning. I don't know why uh, people are into this, but like just sort of weird, people carry weird stuff when they're, <laughs> when they're hiking. So there's this guy that uh, he is in vermont right now is this what i'm reading correctly so this is a multi-state hiker he is a veteran who is um, raising funds for the wounded warrior project so that's a great outfit yeah yeah and he is carrying a bugle on the appalachian trail so this is definitely the most annoying guy in the morning on at the at the shelter no question (laughs) you know he's playing what is that called is it taps in the morning oh taps Oh well, yeah, yeah. It could it be taps, taps though, you, or taps is a funeral thing. What's the one that you wake up in the morning? Who knows? <laughs> anyway, but uh, this guy is uh, retired Navy Captain Donald Root. So he's a former Special Forces man. So even though you might get annoyed at the guy, you know, for for doing the wake up call with the bugle in the morning, like he's still going to be able to kick your butt. So um, anyway. He is a 68-year-old Special Forces veteran, so he's doing the full Appalachian Trail. So he just hit Vermont, so if you're 2,000 miles. Yeah, yeah. And this was on, this article was like yesterday, so he'll probably be hitting New Hampshire in probably the next couple of weeks, week and a half maybe. So keep an eye out for a guy with a beauty. Uh, yeah. Does it talk about... Um expectations or no no very brief article just says old guy raising huh. money for wounded warriors and has a bugle okay so what about killington okay so we made it to killington and now he's heading towards the whites yeah, yeah. So, so keep a lookout pretty, yeah a week week and a half he should be here this is super cool i mean we should definitely try to find the guy 
maybe I'll try to get out there and film him or something. Yeah, well, if he's going to be in Evans Notch this weekend, he, I might see him. Probably not, though. <laughs> You'll hear him. Uh, so then in keeping with the theme of people carrying weird shit while they're hiking the Appalachian Trail, there's another guy <laughs> that... Um, he came through the whites last week, so he's probably in the Mahoosics at this point. The guy's name is Sean Mahoney, and he hit Musalaki or Musalak. Matter of fact, my wife was at a um, she was at her yoga class last night, and the instructor was talking about how she was going hiking, and she's like obsessed with hiking. Apparently, this lady, and mm-hmm. she was saying how she didn't know whether it was Musalaki or Musalak. And my wife asked me, and I was like, I call it Musalaki. <laughs> but well, you should direct them to the episodes that we yes. discussed this. Well, then my wife said she's like, I told. She's like, it's always so embarrassing. But she's like, I told the lady that's going hiking. She was like, Well, you know, my husband hosts a podcast, <laughs> and uh, the lady was like, Oh my god, I want to know all about it. So she. She plugged the podcast, so maybe the yoga instructor is listening now. (laughs) It's Musalaki. But anyway, I got off track. So there's this guy, Sean Mahoney. (laughs) He just hit Musalaki on the 22nd. So he's probably, like I said, he's probably through the whites at this point and maybe on his way up the Mahoosics. But he is carrying a, I don't know how to describe this. It's not a fence post. I guess it would be a fence post, but like not a, like an eight foot tall fence post. It's like a, it looks like it's about five feet tall, but mm-hmm. it's a fence post, like a, or a post that you would put like a sign on or whatever. And he calls it Larry. So um, <laughs> Larry, <laughs> yeah. So he's got Larry, and he holds it like on his shoulder. Okay, is that like a a, a friend or like a deceased friend or something or I don't know it's just got a bunch of signatures on it so I think all the through hikers huh. like sign it I think he's just carrying it to be extra so he's he's traveled <laughs> 1800 miles and he's got about 400 miles to go and he's been carrying Larry along with his with his gear for the whole time so hmm. uh, and it's really I saw this and the thing that made me interested is that back when I was in college we had a pole that we are a, a fence post that we carried around. Our fence post was eight <laughs> feet tall. Posts. Yeah, it was like a it was a heavy like <clears throat> pressure treated circular a cylinder like post, and you had to carry it around. It was like painted black, and then it had my fraternity letters on it, Kappa Delta Phi. If anybody's out there. And we called it Mrs. Leonard because the founding father of our fraternity was a guy named Nahum Leonard. So the pole that we carried around as pledges was called Mrs. Leonard. And we used to have to carry that thing around everywhere. That's so bizarre. Yeah. So for me, I was like, oh, this guy's got his own Mrs. Leonard. Huh. I was, I'm so glad I was the introvert through high school and into college. I missed all this stuff. Yeah, well, <clears throat> believe me, it was no no piece of cake carrying that <laughs> dumb stick around like on campus. Everyone look at oh us. You couldn't get away with that nowadays. I think it's called hazing, but oh, yeah, did it. that's for sure. Yeah. So anyway, this guy, Sean Mahoney, is carrying a big log over his shoulder just to be extra. Yeah. If anybody needs like any kindling, you can maybe ask him to shave a few, th- exactly. I don't know, ounces off or something or yeah, exactly make it a little lighter. Um, all right. Next thing we got here in the news. So there's a hiker. Stomp, you sent me this video. I saw this video also. So I'll post this on the sh- the, the show notes. So the, this hiker Pretty is getting stalked by a black bear and the black bear is like 
playing with them. What are those? Co- it's there was like a cartoon them. that used to be the way I would describe it is like maybe it was Yogi Bear. I can't remember, but there'd be like these scenes and like these cartoons that we used to grow up with. It'd be like you'd be in a forest and then somebody would tiptoe from like one tree to another and hide behind the tree. That's sort of what the bear is doing to this guy, I feel like. Oh, yeah. But over time, it gets within probably 10 feet and it's getting pretty aggressive. It, you know, it looks playful, but this guy, this guy's panicking. You know he's panicking because he's running out of options for sure. He does have like a little canister of bear spray. And that's what you see progress over the time of the video. Uh, he squirts it a couple times and the bear, you know, you know, backs off a little bit. And, and then ultimately the bear gets within, say, five feet, climbs up a tree and he gets the bear right in the nose with the uh, spray and the bear runs off like 30 feet. Yeah. The, the funny thing about it is the uh, what he, how he's talking to the bear because everybody probably knows by now that you're supposed to look really big and make yourself seem loud and obnoxious and this guy's like, "Hello, bear, you're you're a good bear," <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you could tell this guy was panicking. Oh, I would have been freaking out too. Uh, oh yeah, um, yeah. The the thing thing is, I don't like, think it was no one. None of us carry beer but Like if that happened, it was, no. what would you do? I guess I'd have to hit it with my with my hiking pole no i think your idea is the best i think you have like an emergency pack of peanut butter that you just like freaking chuck at them and then run like give them the food that they want and then run it's like base jumping it's like you hold on to that little parachute and you throw it when you need that chute to pop out so i guess that's i guess that's fear I mean, the, the bear will eventually be dead because it's going to learn that it can get eaten by, or it can get food by scaring the crap out of people. But you know, Mike, I'm thinking this is a uh, a slasher merchandise angle here. I think we can start making slasher bear packs that you can like throw a, a bear to save your ass. Yeah, what do you yeah, think? We'll see. Well, it's so funny that like the <laughs> random guy in the comments is like the expert on bear behavior. He's like, when they do that, that definitely means that they're going to be aggressive. It's like, how do you know? The guy can, the, the bear could just be curious, but it did look a little <laughs> freaky. Like it's just, I mean, it's going to be boring for these bears. They're like out in the woods by themselves doing nothing all day, trying yeah. to like find blueberries. They see some human with something on his head. They're like, Hey, what's, what's going on? You know, they're checking it out. Exactly. Yeah. But you're still going to panic regardless. Yeah, exactly. All right. So next topic here, Stomp, we will, we'll, we'll do this one now. We're never going to get to the show intro, but we will eventually. Um, oh, this is fun. There was a dog rescue on Musalak. So basically, this was on Sunday. You were up there on Saturday. Sunday, Yeah. This there was a dog that was in distress on Musalaki on the Gorgebrook Trail. And this was another one very similar to Odin where the, the it was a friend of the dog owner that put out a message saying that she her friend had um, located, notified her that the, the, there was a dog in distress, 120 pound dog turned out to be a Burmese mountain dog. Yeah. Um, and the lady who had posted it, you know, she looked to be an experienced hiker. So she was like putting out the word and she's like, if anybody's in that area, can you help, please? It took her a little while to sort of get details. I don't think she had details other than like she was she was going up to like um, help rescue help with the rescue. So, so what about what about weather? What, was that the 90 degree day? 
Um, yeah, yeah, it was a warm day. On it was Sunday. super hot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a warm day. So I think this is the. the I think she posted around ten o'clock, and I was like looking at. It. I had to break down all like we had a big party here, so I was like outside doing a bunch of stuff. But I kind of kept an eye on it, and I was like, yeah, it's another Odin situation. Pretty early on, she had said that the dog was one hundred and twenty pounds. So even they didn't have a pack of paw. Um, but even if mm-hmm. they did have one, like the other thing you need to factor in is like you probably need a muzzle, um, you know, uh, so the dog's not going to freak out. And then you need someone that's going to be strong enough to carry a 120 pound dog. So the whole thing is just dubious. But the way she described it, it was a mile and a half up from the from the lodge. So they were on Gorge Brook. So that would put them just around the point where the Gorge Brook Trail connects with the drainage so you know how like gorge work deviates from the drainage oh sure. significantly about a mile and a half up like they must have been like right in that area there so not well, a dude, bad spot it's funny you mentioned that because that's where uh that kid turned around a room that's where they mm-hmm. sent him back down trail so it's funny back to steve while, while i was waiting for steve to show up i was talking with some random hikers that were coming by about that that rescue and that's exactly where they turned around they said oh go back down trail you'll be fine yeah yeah it's interesting so it is anyway next day the dog ends up getting in trouble here so i think yeah it was hot i don't know maybe the they said that the dog's paws were cut up so obviously like you think like okay i got a mountain dog but like it's a big heavy dog it's got a big thick you know coat of fur and mm-hmm. it's paused like it wouldn't move, essentially. So there was a lot of good, you know, I feel like the 4,000 footer group, this is the Facebook page that um, Eric Bertrand and uh, Christine is the other admin. They, they, they're pretty pretty well-run group. And they, yeah. everybody got organized. Like there was a lot of people that were like, look, you know, get a pack of paw. They were apparently a lot of these like uh, AMC locations and the lot, like they'll, they'll have a, um, a bag. I think that the I forget the name. Of, oh, damn it! I forget the name of the place in North Conway. I'll post it in the show notes. I feel horrible, but the place in North Conway that um, is a it's like a, a, a an animal supply store. They raised funds through a GoFundMe to set up like um, safety packages with pack a paw and a bunch of other supplies for dogs when they get injured. And they're in the AMC huts and across the white mountains. So they were like looking to see if anybody had one of the rescue packages for the dogs. But regardless, a bunch of people were like, I'm on my way up. Like one person was like two hours away and they were like, I'm on my way right now with a friend and a bunch of people like within about an hour or two, everybody was like calling in and it looked like from the picture I saw, they got like probably around 10 to 12 people. They probably picked up some random hikers coming down. It's a Sunday at Musalaki. So I'm assuming there was a bunch of people there, but it looked like what they did is that they were able to tape up the paws, uh, put some gauze on there, maybe like, I guess, give the dog a little bit of relief on their feet and then they had a harness around the dog and it looked like they were like sort of the picture i saw it looked like they were kind of propping the Uh, dog up and taking some of the weight off the dog's foot so so Um, it's fascinating so what kind of tape like maybe like a layer of gauze and then medical athletic tape or i don't know but it looked like uh, from the picture i could see like i kind of zoomed in on the paws and it looked like they had like boot they put booties on and yeah. then maybe had like 
some wrap around the booties, but I don't know what they might have put like um, something, some sort of like, you know, like paw, like wax or something. I don't know what they do yeah. um, to do. Honestly, I should probably look into that, but it seemed like they they were able to like soften up the pain on the, the dog's feet. And, you know, shit happens. Owners, they don't always know. They they push the dog past the red line. And then, you know, I've definitely gone hiking and I've seen like blood on rocks and stuff like that with dogs. You know, we hear these stories. We had the Odin episode last year. So it's just people got to keep an eye on their dogs and not push the dogs. Yeah, I, I think we should have Pacapar on because obviously they have some insight that would be really helpful for people. I mean, they made this, this cool piece of gear that... I think it's fantastic giving it to the shelters, giving it to like AMC and stuff like that. That's really cool. But uh, they may have some really great insight as to how to really take your dog up safely. I'll post everything, obviously, the link to the oh, for your paws only. That's what it is for your oh, paws right. only. Um, <laughs> I think that that's the so basically like when you call for a rescue, there's a couple of different like rescue dog rescues. But I think for your paws is the group. Yes, Maybe they yes. were formed based on that like St. Bernard rescue that happened on Mount Washington on Bootsburg a couple of years ago. I don't know uh-huh. the history. I should actually see if we can get this crew on along with the pack of paws people. And we'll reach out to them and see what they say. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah we'll have to do that. But anyway, huh. um, all's well that ends well with the dog. And, you know, obviously, like, I think clearly the owner like just made a mistake and they they did what they needed to do like they did not leave the dog and um kudos to the lady that posted on the 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 facebook page and was able to get um get everything uh going for the rescue yeah good job anyway hey just give me a second here stomp i gotta i gotta pause for a minute oh sure We'll just break this. Hey, Caroline, don't run the dryer yet. All right? Wait till oh, I, I finish. I should definitely leave this in. I'll let you know. It should be done in about a half hour. Don't run the. Don't run any wash. Okay. All right. Anyway, my do you know? Do, do you know how tempted I am to leave that in? You can <laughs> if you want. You can. You can, I think do, we should. you can do something with editing there. Well, it's like it's like you're being tortured by kids. I'm being tortured by Daphne. I think yeah. this is nice behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to leave it in. <laughs> she's so disappointed. Like, she's like thinking she's going to do a laundry. I get it. She's got to go to work tomorrow. But, uh, you know, this is my business. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you get that I, Tesla yet or what? No. <laughs> I, I'm like my wife's like bugging me about getting a new car and I'm like no way you're like, you should drive that pilot for another 100,000 miles oh Jesus yeah, yeah. okay right. well, so um, merchandise updates and we're never going to get to the show opener here this, this, this is, is the longest opener but anyway um, merchandise updates so stickers have gone out so uh, the <clears throat> intern has worked diligently to address all the envelopes and put the, the stickers in. I think I pretty much threw three stickers in for everybody that asked. Um, and, great. you know, we, I think it was like a hundred and it was like close to 200 people that got stickers. So there's a bunch of stickers. And, wow. Um, yeah. 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 That's tons. intense. And then um, stop. I don't I, even I, have one for God's sake. I know. Sakes. I'm going to mail yours out. I, I have to do, <laughs> well, I have to send yours in like a package. So I got to go to the post office. I'm going to do that tomorrow. No, you know what you should do is like, 
put it somewhere like put a sticker up on like the toll booth and I'll have to like pry it off of the toll booth and take it or like put it up on a, a trail sign or something well I already know that'll like, go over big there's a couple of places in North Conway where this state. So there's one, there's like a, an electric or some sort of like a <laughs> utility box right across from um, the Met. Yeah. On the other side, like that, that has a ton of stickers. And then there's the, um, I know uh, yeah, the gondola like thing that's outside the moat mountain brewery that has a bunch of stickers. So that's going to oh, get like, tagged too. Oh, that reminds me like, yeah, like loon gondolas, Yes. Just kidding. Don't want to get us in trouble. Well, anywhere that there's like, don't don't put them anywhere where they're standalone. But if there's like places where a bunch of people have stickers, like put it on there. I'd yeah, say. I'll put one on my DJ uh, crate for my mixer. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I have man. one on my uh, my phone holder. Here. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, actually, I'm sure they make phone holders that you can put the graphic on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, so cool. the merchandise, so the stickers are out. Um, you can still order them. I'll just like do it once a week. I'll have the intern do it once a week. She'll send them out if you want, uh, if you want to add, and you don't need to put, send me a Venmo with any money. Like a bunch of people sent extra money and appreciate it. Thank you so much for everyone. That'll cover the, the Tesla, the, yeah, the Tesla. <laughs> and then, um, hats and shirts are coming. So should be ready to post an order link right after the 4th of July holiday. So we are going to take a break just as a heads up. We're going to take a break. So this show is going to get pushed out on Friday, whatever that is, maybe July 1st. And then the, sh- the week of j- the show for July 8th, we'll n- we won't put anything out will return on July 15th. So this is this will be the beginning of a, like a one week break for us. Yeah. We're busy. We're busy. Yeah. Like I just I've been hiking, so I'm going hiking like all weekend. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, couple of donation reminders. Uh, Rebecca is out there. She started her redlining pursuit, so I think she's a week in and she's killing it. She was up north, and now she's making her way around the, the white. So if you want to donate to support Christopher's Haven for uh, Rebecca Sperry, we'll put the mm-hmm. link in the show notes. If you want to, I think uh, the Alzheimer's Association is, you know, they, they've done their longest day and they've done the bulk of their fundraising, but we'll also put a link into their fundraising page and then also the New Hampshire Outdoor Council. And then also, if you want to purchase a hike safe card, we'll put in links to all of those for the show notes so you can take a look. Excellent. Good job, Rebecca. All right. Yes. And stop that. It leads us into sponsors and coffee for you. All right. First, we have a uh, uh, El Rojo 1983 says, what do you call a tick with no eyes? A tick? It's basically TCK. This guy sent this in or this person sent it in. So there's a little tick joke for you. All right. That was horrible, but okay. (laughs) A tzuk. (laughs) Shandy. Oh my goodness! This is this is going to Mike's Tesla fund. Um, Shandy donated fifteen coffees, which is like unheard of. That's crazy. She was over the moon finishing her forty-eight and uh, decided to support the podcast in a major way. So, Shandy, thank you so much. It's super cool. Yeah, and and I I 
I just wanted to give Shandy a shout out as well. I was I just commented on her Facebook page. So she had posted a ton of pictures. So she finished with uh, her friend John. They killed it. She did a Zeeland Bonge Traverse as her finish, which was right. uh, um, the big hike. You know, she's put in a ton of miles and, and um you know, they, they, they really got perfect weather for it and everything. So and they didn't overnight. So um, huge shout out to Shandy. She's been a big supporter of the show for a long time. Huge. And, you know, we definitely yeah. owe her a gratitude and we wanted to just give her a special congratulations. No question about it. And uh, also for all the others that have been supporting us regularly. Yep. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, so AR donated five um and ar wants us to know that uh they use the podcast as a beer bell so, <laughs> so i'm assuming they crank it up really loud yeah, yeah, and that. just walk <laughs> and scare off i mean i guess it's a, sort of an insult to scare off any bear by listening to us i don't know so so there you go i get it i get it and it whatever works yeah, whatever works. And uh, that's it. So we have, uh, of course, thank you so much, EMS, for supporting the podcast. And we have big things in the works with EMS. And finally, we have at Reckless Brewing. I'm telling you, I, I hear more and more people going to Reckless and and enjoying their time there. And uh on a side note, um, I was talking to Steve about IPA versus double IPA, and apparently double IPA has more alcohol content because there's more sugar content. So there's a little tip for you. But yeah, uh, yeah. so because, you know, I cannot stand an IPA, but double IPA is, is definitely fantastic. So at Reckless, it's like craft beer, the best food, entertainment. They have huge stuff going on this weekend for the 4th, so be sure to check them out. They're right in Bethlehem. Very good. I will hopefully get there soon. Um, so this is 47 minutes in. We've, we haven't even got to the show open oh, yet. Dude, yeah. This is like, it's even, yeah, it's like a, almost an hour in. So this is epic. Yeah, and honestly, we like we were supposed to have a guest this week, and it kind of like it, it was no fault of the guest; it was kind of like my screw up. But um, you know, so we we we've switched the show up a little bit, but we definitely like are digging through the topics file to uh, to clean some stuff out. But but anyway, welcome to episode sixty five of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. Uh, this week, I'm interviewing Stomp about a few past hikes that he's done that involve slides. Hell yeah, including uh, yeah the Mount Lowell and the White Wall slide. <laughs> And uh, in addition to those topics, I've got some hikes planned over the long weekend. So in preparation, I looked up some history um, on the background of some places related to Evans Notch. So the Royce Mountains and Evans Notch. So uh, we'll cover all that and some recent search and rescue news. So I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get this started. Let's get started, although we've been started. So what are you drinking? Anything, any good, anything good tonight? <laughs> Nothing in particular. Just hanging. I'm back to... I am back to Sierra Nevada Summer Break IPA. So, okay. um, it's an old school 12 ounce wow. can, which is good. My wife bought these a few weeks ago, so I'm just making my way through them. I got the Reckless up in Maine, so I'll be heading up there over the weekend. Um, and then any recent hikes for you, Stomp? No, unfortunately, nothing for me. Um, I've been trying, but it was like my intention was to go out Saturday morning, but 
when I got that text from Larson about Steve coming in on the, the Dodge to Lodge, I'm like, that's it, gotta go. So my, my plans were thwarted. What I wanted to do was the Hazelton Brook up to Tecumseh, but uh, back, you know, back burned it for now. Okay. Well, you've got you got plenty plenty to um to do this weekend, which will be good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, notable hiker uh, hikes. Anything that we've been tagged? You get a list there, Snot? Yeah, we sure do. Steve Summits. Yeah, Steve Summits did a single day prezi. KJ Gear Girl made the trip to Wolfboro to visit the beer and soap shop. So oh, so jealous. <laughs> she, didn't she say it was closed though? Something like that, and then she—I I couldn't quite decipher the message, but uh, apparently tried to get to Reckless as well. But they didn't do takeout, like for beer. I don't know. I don't know. But KJ, thank you so much for checking that out. We'll get there too. Uh, Laura Tobin did Mount Madison and the Cornice. Nick Sidla, 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 up airline for trail maintenance, and then back to Madison for a Reckless Brew. Oh, there nice, you go. Nick. Thanks for uh, thanks for fixing up the airline trail. That's a fun one. Oh, no kidding, boy! Last time I was up there with was with my daughter, and it was a it was blowdown. It was a, such a field of blowdowns. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, let's see. Moving on, Mind Hunter Rabbit did Carisage North, and of course Gwen Stratton, who supported Steve this weekend. Um, that's that's what she posted. So, like, looking at my note now, she she supported Steve. So she did everything in the whites. So, yeah, she did the entire White Mountain National Forest and then supported Steve. <laughs> Gwen, you're the best. Um, so that's pretty notable. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty cool when your friends just say. I got to support this guy and just give up your time and, and support somebody. I think that's super, super epic. Oh, my God. Here's, here's a pronunciation twister. Um, just Benny's, B-E-N-N-E-S. Is it Ben's, Benny's? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't I don't know, but that's Justin. So, he's, yeah, he's he's definitely tagged us a few times on different. Oh, yeah. They did, they actually, he had some amazing photos that he posted. Oh, sure. So apparently he just crushed 17 and 18 out of 48 and crushed the Kinsmen's and it was a dad venture. So that's pretty cool. Yes. There was a little guy involved. And then Broneal 17 did the Zealand Bonds Traverse, which takes him or her to 37 out of 48. And then, of course, Shandy, congratulations on finishing your 48. And it was an overnight Zealand to Bonds Traverse. Ah, that's all we have. All right. Well, we'll, we'll give the winner for Shandy for finishing the 4,000 footer. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well-deserved. So, yeah, the 48 takes it on that one. Yeah. By the way, I think we should have some somebody that can represent the 500 highest. What do you think? Sure. I thought that was you. No, it's not. I mean, I'm working on it, but there are people that have done it like multiple times that I w- would love to have in soon. Just bring them in, Stomp. All right. Um, I'll work on it. I've got That'd some leads. Yeah, sure would. Um, all right. So I'm going to interview cool. you now, Stomp, about a couple of these peaks. So um, I was curious about this. Oh, because yeah. I'm, I'm going hiking a bunch this weekend. I don't know if I'm going to get over to this area, but I was thinking about it. 
But uh, I want to talk about Mount Lowell. I want to talk about the White Wall Slide. I want to talk about Carrageen in that area. And then Vosper, I think, is up there. Vos, yep. Vos, whatever it is. So can you talk? So first of all, so Mount Lowell is right across from Mount Carrageen. And it is like this like very steep slide that like if you take the Carrageen Notch Trail, um, and you sort of beer to the right instead of going up Signal Ridge, you'll make your way out in front of Mount Lowell. There's a slide that's not really a slide. It's more of a, a true traditional like rock climb, but it's so brittle in there that it's difficult to actually do a traditional rock climb. Stomp yeah. and Jimmy Chaga and our friend Casey had actually climbed, free climbed this, which back in his crazy days. Um, but mm-hmm. I wanted to find out from you, Stomp, like if you were going to bypass the slide and you wanted to bushwhack up mount lowell is it like are the views worth it and then is there any sort of camping up there can you talk a little bit about like what what's the deal with mount lowell as far as like a going up there and and, and hiking and, and and views and whatnot yeah lowell is like a, a strange beast for sure i think the best easiest safest way to get to it would be from the um mount nancy route so you you know you come in through Nancy Pond and then bushwhack south to the peak itself. So that would be over Anderson and then to Lowell. The, um, you know, the I think it's the western slides are just really very difficult. It's like expert terrain, uh, very dangerous. So unless you're really looking for a thrill and you have the experience, I would avoid that. And, you know, from my experience after doing the uh, Lowell shoot, we came down after the summit southwest, and that was not easy either. So I I really think if you want to get up to Lowell, you have to go probably from the north. Yeah. It it looks like the... um Oh, that's a, that's very a that's not a trail, but it looks like there's a very like large section of the north that's just a big flat. I'm assuming it's tr- it's trees or is it open up there? Oh God, no! It's like blowdowns and and thick scrub, dude. It's like it's the the thickest stuff next to the captain that I can recall. It's brutal in there, and it's it's somewhat confusing because it's uh it's like an <clears throat> let me. St- say this correctly undulating topography so you're up and then you're down and you're you're climbing over the deep low down so it's very tough in there so unless you do your research man it's it's a challenge okay. um again i i think from what i've heard and what i've experienced and what i've talked to like you know um i've passed the torch on to others um steve gwen They've done the shoot, and they ran into some of the same issues trying to get off of that summit. And I think the north is probably the best, safest way to go. Like, approach it from the north. Even if you have to do Carrigan Notch um, all the way up to, like, Desolation, and then backtrack and bushwhack up, sort of shading southeast, I think that's probably the safest bet. Okay. So you ready, you're going to go? <laughs> Well, no, immediately no. Um, just I was kind of curious about it, and I figured there might be some listeners. But I guess I am interested. Like I've heard, Vosper is, Vos is a little, beautiful, a little bit more, I guess, achievable. So I think that's it a, is. It's a bushwhack, but it's more of a like a herd path to get out there. Is that is that fair to say? 
Correct. Yeah. So from the same trail, I don't have a map in front of me, but is it Carrigan Notch Trail? From it is. Signal it Ridge? is. Yeah. So basically, Carrigan Notch Trail, like it goes right in between Vosper and Mount Lowell. Okay. Um, so it looks steep as hell to get up to Vosper from um, Carrigan Notch. Right. So I think a lot of people have been doing this lately. So from the top of Carrigan, you can bushwhack down to Vosper. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to get to this peak, Vosper itself, is probably from Carrigan Notch Trail. And, yeah. you know, it's essentially the same starting point um, as if you were trying to go up the Lowell Chute. But what you have at this point is a well-established herd path and, uh, you know, uh, ledges and somewhat of a, a pseudo-slide to get up to the top of Vos. But the coolest thing about this peak is which I think a lot of people miss is that if you come off the peak heading towards Carrigan, you come into a saddle of talus field, talus boulders Mm -hmm. that is absolutely mind blowing. It's so cool. It's like, it's just such a strange place because you have this talus field that's way up high in elevation and it's literally like a saddle. So it sits between, it's a call, it's a COL call between mm-hmm. Carrigan and Volspur. So it's, you know, it's something to be uh, checked out. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's accessible. Like you could, in theory, like if you want to do an overnight, like you could do, you could hike up to Carrigan and then like there's that like camping area there, which I think is legal. Um, Where? Oh, like at, right at below the, the platform, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. And totally. then, like, you could you could probably hit Vosper does an out and back as yep. well. So it's a cool, cool, pretty. It's a, it's definitely a cool area there. I've only done like winter camping out there, so I haven't actually done Carrigan or any yeah. of these in the summer. So I do want to get back out there with my daughter because she's got to get her list going. So we may be doing sure. something out here this weekend. And I, I'll, I will add this: I don't recommend the Lowell shoot for pretty much anybody. like having done it I wish I hadn't because it was really beyond my skill level Um, but I think that there is the possibility that you could sort of bushwhack your way up to the first head wall and turn around and get a view that's unlike any other Um, it's really neat because you have these massive 50 foot gully walls to your left and right and it looks directly upon Signal Ridge so it's very very unique uh, that is that's absolutely fair game for most people. I think getting up to that head wall and then saying, "Okay, see you later," and turning around, going back. And is it on like the hundred highest or the five hundred highest? I'm assuming the shoot. No, or just Lowell. Lowell in general. Oh yeah. Oh, it's on all the lists. Yep. Yep, 100 highest, I believe, the right. 500. So but basically, like, I think what I was trying to figure out is, like, without doing the, the, the shoot, what's the best way to get up there and is it worth it? But it doesn't sound like the juice is worth the squeeze as much as, like, if you were going to do Vosper, that's the better view and experience, it seems like. For view, I can't. Yeah, Vos is a little different for view. I mean, if you want a view, then you should probably bust your way up to um, Lowell somehow and, you know, shade your way down to the edge of some of those ledges because there are some really neat views, whether it's from the, the base of that chute or or from some of the other talus fields or the tops of some of those other ledges. I mean, it's really a neat place. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. So next question I had for you is uh, white wall slide. So I know Jack has talked about this when he was on here. And yeah, I, Jack, is, Jack is the pro on this one. I've done it once at night. <laughs> you and Jimmy and Casey did this at night, right? Actually, it was just Chagger and, and myself. And it was okay. like a, a wet night. It was sort of ridiculous. Um, white wall the slide itself is accessible if you take the Ethan Pond Trail from Zealand Trail, like yep. just before the hut. You, you bang a left um, if you're heading towards the hut. And this is actually where uh, Steve Mason and Larson parted ways, if I remember correctly, during the Lodge to Dodge a month ago. Correct. Yep. Yeah, so we'll, like a mile in, you'll come to the base of the Lodge. Uh, the Lodge. Oh, my God, my, my brain to the uh the slide and that is very proximate to the cutoff to z cliff so the slide begins very close to the trail junction for zealand cliff which is a nice you know overlook that overlooks into the valley um yeah uh jack is definitely the one for this one but i was absolutely terrified doing this because jimmy and i hit it at night we had headlamps and it's a fairly short slide but it's a super active slide and in terms of um you know the slides that i've done over the last few years this is the most active slide so you have to really plan your steps and your footing and it gets super steep and at the top, you have about 100 yards of, of thick scrub to, to break through before you get to the ledges at the top. And the ledges at the top are beautiful because they look towards Carrigane and the whole thing. I mean, it's, just, it's an amazing place to camp. Yeah, and this is the slide that you see. If you're on Z Cliff, this is the slide that's looking right at you. Oh, it's you can, right there. Yep. Yep, directly, like a literally, like what is that? Probably a quarter mile. Oh yeah, as right the crow across. flies, it's yeah. right there. And I remember at the time, um, I, you know, I forget her name. It's been a while, uh, not being on social media as much. But uh, there was one person at Z Hut when Jimmy and I did that nighttime, and she saw the headlamps going up, and she was like, "Who the hell's going up <laughs> white wall at night after yeah. a rainstorm?" <laughs> Yeah, it was like sort of sort of cool, like street cred. But looking back on it, man, I was terrified. It was tough. Yeah, I'm sure it's better, like if it's drier <laughs> and maybe a little bit of sunlight. <laughs> well, that was back in your young and crazy days, stupid days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Slasher's hiking topic of the week. You know, we might as well just move into section two here. So I am, sure. I am going to uh, be doing a lot of hiking this weekend, just because I've been stuck in like um, graduation party hell for the last month or so. So I actually haven't even gotten out since the last time I hiked with my daughter, which was Mount Height. So I think likely what I'm going to end up doing is probably hiking on Saturday. I'm going to do the Royce. It might rain, but I'm going to do the Royces in Evans Notch, and then um, probably look to. Uh, do some hiking. I think we're going to go on Monday. We might go up Pine Link and do Madison with my with my niece and daughter because they have to get Madison for their four thousand footer list. And then maybe on Sunday I'll do the, the Carrigan and and Vosper or something like that. But we'll figure it out. Uh, okay, 
Cool. Evans Notch is close to where my father-in-law lives in Maine, so I wanted to just give an overview, because I don't think, Snop, have you been in Evans Notch at all? If that includes the bald faces, then yes, but yes. I'm really not very familiar with the area. Yeah, okay. yes. So Evans Notch is, um, it's in, it's the most uh, eastern part of the White Mountains, and it goes, you know, the majority of it is in Maine, actually. So you go up mm-hmm. 113 from Freiburg, and it takes you into, um, I think, Shelburne, New Hampshire is at the other end of it. And uh, it is a it's an absolutely beautiful place. And you can connect like through the, the Wild River. You can connect up into the Carters and the Wildcats through the Rainbow Trail, which we've talked about. Um, oh, yeah. So, so yeah. the back of the, the bald faces. But the main peaks is like the bald face loop is probably like one of the best hikes in the whites. Matter of fact, um, I'm going to meet up with Mindy and Beth Lynn and my sister-in-law in a couple of weekends. And we're going to be doing that, which will be exciting. Um, but there's also the Royces, which I've never hiked. Those were previously, one of those peaks was on the 52 with a view. It got delisted. Yeah. So I've, I'm going to go ahead and do that this weekend. And then they've got a, a number of areas for camping. Like they've got the Basin. Um, they've got Blueberry Mountain, Caribou Mountain. Blueberry Mountain actually is a cool area. And they have like a, like I think it's like a, an, a legal mining or prospecting site there where you can prospect for like mica and different different minerals and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I don't really know all the details, but it's it's a great place. And the road, just if even if you're looking for a cool place to drive, especially mm-hmm. in the, the foliage season, uh, 113 through Evans Notch is like this narrow winding road that is just so cool to drive. And you can even like, there's a lot of people that it's a, it's a big biking destination too. Like cyclists will, will ride. It's, it's a pretty steep hill, but once you get to the top, you can go for like six or eight miles downhill in either direction, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. So anyway, and less my, people, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, bald faces gets crowded for sure. But once you get past that, most of these, these areas are not well-traveled. Like there's not a ton of people. Yeah. Which is great. But I'm going to be hiking the Royces on Saturday, and then from there I'll be figuring out the rest of my weekend. But I did want to talk a little bit about the history of the Royces and Evans Notch in particular. Let's dive into some White Mountains history, shall we? I did a little bit of research here. So the Royce Mountains are named after a guy named Vere Royce, who was a soldier and surveyor at and one time was the surveyor general of New Hampshire. So he made a lot of the early maps for many of the White Mountain towns, including Chatham, Bartlett, and Bretton Woods. And then this guy was granted like 2,000 acres near the Saco River between Glen and Bartlett. So I would think that like the area on Route 16 where um, you head into, uh, like, towards Atatash, like, that whole Storyland area, all that 2,000 acres. Like, he had all of that that land at one point, uh, and he was, you know, he was given that land based on services during um, a, a variety of these wars that went on during the, the late 1700s and the Revolutionary War. Uh, but he never ended up settling there, but he was just sort of a guy that was in the area. Um, but the peaks west of Evans Notch and nearby by East Royce are named after him. And uh, there's also an, a Royce Mountain that appeared in a map 
that Samuel Holland had created in 1784. So this guy was a pretty well-known sort of early settler in the area, which I thought was pretty cool. And that's a cool name, Royce. It is, yeah. It's like uh, aristocratic. Yes. Royce. Yeah, Yeah, it is. And then um, as far as Evans Notch goes, the origin of Evans Notch um, is that they believe that this was named after a gentleman by the name of Captain John Evans, who was an original grantee of Freiburg, Maine. And Mm -hmm. he was a guy that was in the front lines of a number of different Indian wars. And uh, he had been one of what's known as Rogers Rangers, so um, I guess following an Indian raid, raid, raid in Bethel, Maine, he was put in command of an, an armed guard on the Androscoggin River until winter. Um, I guess in winter they didn't have to worry about attacks because everybody settled down. But in 1774, he had worked on the first road through Pinkham Notch. And mm-hmm. then eventually he was part of the guide team that um, had guided uh, Dr. Jeremy Belknap on his White Mountain expeditions that we talked about a few weeks ago. So he was one of the experienced mountain guides that Belknap had relied on in his his research of uh, the botanical aspects of the White Mountains back in the late 1780s. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there is a little bit of dispute around the naming of Evans Notch, saying that there was another family by the name of, uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Amos Evans who were settlers in like the early 1800s. So it's unclear for, with certainty whether or not John Evans was the, you know, the, the person that they named it after, after or whether it was Amos Evans, but uh, they're pretty sure it was the Captain John Evans. And this guy was one of the, you know, like the the early settlers as well. They said the first road through Evans Notch was attempted in 1861. So this guy was long gone by the time they actually were able to build a road. And the road through there is like crazy. It's like narrow winding. Um, so I can only imagine what it was like in the 1800s trying to build a road through there. But eventually <laughs> they were able to yeah. get horse-drawn vehicles um, through North Chatham and Gilead, Maine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they followed what they thought was likely an old trail that had been made by Indians, and um, it had been washed out quite a bit, and eventually it was only a hiking trail up until, like, the mid-1900s, and eventually they were able to uh, build out the road in, like, 1936 was when they finally got it together, but it is a rugged area for sure. Absolutely. Wow. Incredible history. Yeah, yeah, it is. The other interesting thing, and I don't want to talk about politics because I don't think anybody gives a shit what we what we have to say about it. But I did think that it was interesting with the uh, the most recent ruling with the Supreme Court around abortion laws and the fact that like a lot of people are sort of pointing to the fact that you know we're turning into Gilead. And every time somebody says that, they're like, "Could you imagine?" You know that we're really turning into it. And I always chuckle because there's a Gilead in Maine that you drive past when you go through Evans Notch. So you see that um, that town. And for people that aren't aware, Gilead is known as like the, for the Handmaid's Tale, which is the story about like how the U.S. gets taken over by the suppressive regime. regime. Gilead is the name of the, the nation that gets developed. And there's a town in Maine called Gilead that was... Um, I guess incorporated in you know the the 1700s which I thought was mm-hmm. pretty interesting. So but yeah. Gilead's a small town. I think it has like last time I checked here I'm looking at the Wikipedia it's got 209 people. So it's just right at the entrance of um 
Evans Notch. Nice little area. There's like a few different like barns and small houses and things like that. Uh, but there is truly, if anybody's complaining that Gilead is coming to the U.S., there's always been a Gilead, and it's in Maine. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Sounds creepy. Yep, exactly. But next episode, I will give a breakdown on all the hikes I did in the Evans Notch, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in more detail. Excellent. All right, so on to uh, recent search and rescue news here. So we got some national stuff. Hiker trapped in quicksand is rescued. And um, stop. based on cartoons that I used to watch in Gilligan's Island, like I always thought that quicksand was going to be something that was a much bigger part of my life as an adult than it actually turned out to be. Okay. <laughs> I just, like, I always thought there'd be more quicksand around, but there's not. I, I know. I know. All these fears that we grew up with as kids. Yeah. But apparently... The risk is there. <laughs> I guess. According it's, to the story. It's possible, yeah. So quicksand sucked a hiker into chest deep mud in a Utah gorge, park officials say. That's scary, dude. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. So um, the hiker told the Bureau of Land Management officials that they were stuck in quicksand up to their chest at the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. Um, they would have been unable to extract themselves from the sand if alone. Officials said so. The Land Management Bureau issued a warning for all visitors in the Grand Staircase Escalante Monument. And officials said mud cracks along the pond's edge made people think the quicksand was stable. So -hmm. visitors should also think about the concerns of extraction from quicksand. Like they're not thinking about that. Once the core of your body is in wet sand, it can cause an increased risk to exposure. So interesting. um, I didn't realize this, but apparently. Not only, obviously, like breathing is an issue, but quicksand can cool the body's temperatures down during a cold night. And yeah, so I never considered that. Oh, sure. Well, think of what happens like in those hot, arid areas anyway. It can drop down into the 30s. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. So wow. but here's the here's the deal stop. If you want to get out of quicksand, here's what you got to do. Um <laughs> Quicksand is hard to get out of, but people usually don't get sucked fully under. So people can float in the quicksand. So people who get stuck should wiggle your legs around, experts told National Geographic. This creates a space between the legs and the quicksand through which water can flow down to dilute the loosening sand. Yeah, A physics professor at some institute I can't pronounce his name you can get out using this technique if you do it slowly and progressively isn't that funny <laughs> yeah well I don't want to have to try it out anytime yeah. soon we'll have to experiment <laughs> yeah okay oh boy uh, next one here is um, rescue beacon helped save hiker who fell 400 feet down snowy Colorado slope I feel like like the snow in Colorado very late in the year. So Absolutely. 400 feet, this hiker plunged down. 27-year-old woman was hiking near Snowmass uh, when she fell 400 feet. Um, she had a possible open leg fracture and head injury. So rescuers received a um, emergency message from a rescue beacon device at around 4.30 p.m. and rushed to help the woman. When they arrived, two bystanders and a nurse were caring for the injured hiker. 
Um, official determined the woman needed to be flown off the mountain, so a rescue was hiked to the woman on foot and stabilized her injuries. The woman was flown in a helicopter to the Aspen Valley Hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. So this woman got helped out by other bystanders on the scene, and they were able to move her to a helicopter landing zone. So it took about eight hours total for this lady. So they're still yeah. dealing with snow out there in late, late, uh, late June in Colorado. Yeah, what about the beacon, though? Does it talk about the beacon? Not too much. It no. just says that... Um, she was able to activate it. I don't even know if it was her beacon or if it was somebody else's beacon. Okay. Or if it was like an avalanche beacon. So there's some unknowns here that I'm curious about. Yeah, it could be. It doesn't say, but I would assume like if you're hiking in Colorado, like you would have to, I feel like you have to be more aware of, of avalanche issues out there than, than, than the whites, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think you're right for sure. Okay. Um, this next one is bad girls gone good. No, God. No. Oh, God. Wait a minute. This is amazing. Oh, this bad is girls like, gone God. See, this is perfect. Film this crew. is a reality TV crew getting in trouble. Okay, got it. Got it. I thought it was bad <laughs> girls gone good. Nope. It's a bunch of bad girls gone God. Oh, gone God. I see. All right. So here we go. Yeah. So and they got themselves eight. in trouble. Got it. Got it. So this was girls that were, <laughs> you know, were they really bad girls or were they just like not, not religious? You know, the show is yet to be released, but uh, when it's released, I'll check it out and let you know. All right, we'll have to check this out. I, I have no interest in this show, but um, I thought it was Bad Girls Gone Good. That seems interesting to me. Bad Girls Gone God, not so interesting. Eight Camelback Mountain hikers had to be rescued from the Echo Canyon Trail in Arizona Thursday due to heat-related illness and dehydration. The hikers had been filming a face a faith related reality TV series where they called emergency first responders for assistance on Thursday morning. So there was 15 total hikers. None of them were Phoenix locals. They were visiting Mm -hmm. from Alabama, California, and Tennessee. None of them are familiar with Echo Canyon Trail, and the hikers had not done any research on the trail's difficulties or dangers ahead of time. They were just putting their faith in God. They instead prepared to bring one water bottle each and over half carried a phone. We had no idea going into it that this was apparently one of the hardest trails in Phoenix. The hikers were at Camelback Mountain. Yeah. So I guess they were doing this TV reality series. I don't know if they were like filming their hike or if this was a day off or whatever, but they do this women's retreat every year where we get together, they praise, they worship, and they do different activities, not only to test our physical, but spiritual strength as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's a funny story. It's like, yeah, yeah, they started at 7 a.m., and um, they re- the temperature reached 105 degrees, and once the, once the heat really started cranking up, they all started getting symptoms of heat exhaustion. They kept stopping, and then they had no more water, so the more that we stopped, the harder it got. Um, they started getting dizzy, wow. and they started realizing things were wrong. So eight of the hikers had to be rescued off the mountain later that morning, both on foot and by helicopter. Mm-hmm. So the ones that were less affected by heat offered their water and phones to communicate with emergency services um, as the descent down the mountain grew more difficult for the hikers and first responders. So the rescue took, how many people do you think it took to help rescue this, these people? Oh, I have no idea. 100 men and women 
from the Phoenix Fire Department had to help out with this thing. That's incredible. Yeah. So they were all spread out amongst the the Echo Canyon Trail. So the, they had a drone that was used to locate the group of hikers. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so they were all spread out across the trail. So they used the the drone to map out where they were. That's cool. And of the f- 15 women, five were rescued by helicopter and um, a big wheel basket. Well, three were able to walk down the mountain with assistance. So the Phoenix Fire Department reported that three of the hikers needed to be taken to the hospital but are stable. Ultimately, all 15 hikers were successfully rescued. Um, yeah. And then they said that there's not a, you know, there's been a history here of people dying and getting in trouble on Facebook. So um, if you go to hmm. Phoenix, and I wonder if this is the place where that girl that from uh, Saugus got killed or or died. Remember, remember the the girl that like did the, she did the like the the social media date with the cop that had like a wife and was shady as hell. Oh uh, yeah, I do recall that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's pretty interesting. So we'll, I'm going to do some more digging, see if I can get some more links on this. But a hundred people to rescue these this crew. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I grew up in the church and I know my my Bible a little bit and. Uh, there's a there's a verse I don't remember the verse in particular, but it says something to the effect of "Do not put the Lord your God to the test." <laughs> like, come on. So yeah. I guess they they didn't know about this little commandment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Interesting. Um, all right. So next one here. So dog who fell off a fifty foot cliff causes a headache for rescues because she's the same color as the rocks. <laughs> So this is a picture of this. So this dog is a this dog is extra. So it's a Chinese it's blue so Sharpe, and yeah. uh, the dog's name is Roxy. So it left the Coast Guard stumped after she fell off the fifty foot cliff. And oh shit, this is like one of those pictures where it's like spot the um, yeah, like where's Waldo? Find the snake. Yeah, or like find the snake or whatever. So, um, oh yeah, look at that thing. It just blends right in. It's like one of those wrinkly dogs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I can't find it, Stomp. Gotcha. Yeah, neither can I. All right. Oh, well, I'll but it's post a little twist to your typical rescue. Yeah, yeah. So the dog jumped 50 foot cliff, and, uh, you know, it's it looks like one of those dogs that doesn't have a lot of energy. So the dog just chilled out. Couldn't find it. The owners were joined by um, some Coast Guard. This was in the UK, it looks like, or Scotland or something. And um, they finally spotted the gray dog, which was camouflaged against the rocks. Um, And they were able to rescue this guy. But wow. Yeah. I can look through this. I don't have time right now to do this while we're recording, but hopefully the dog's okay. (laughs) Jesus. Sure. Beautiful area, though, there. Oh, absolutely. The coast looks incredible. Yeah, yeah, and the dog looks the dog looks like a sweet dog. It's a big, big, big dog. So, oh, there it is. I see it now. Um, yeah, it'd be tough to find that dog in there. So, I'll post a picture. <laughs> All right. So now, getting on to some local stories here. So, youth operator injured while riding an ATV. Stop me if you've heard this it's one that before. Time of the year. It's that time of the year. So, this was in Berlin uh, Thursday afternoon, three forty. Uh, ATV crash involving a youth operator on Brook Pond Road in Jericho State Park. A lot of stuff goes on in Jericho. Yeah, um, that's the, the like the hub of that whole uh, subculture up there. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So according to the operator and his father, the youth was traveling on the trail following behind his father when he entered a cloud of dust while heading into a right turn. As he entered the dust cloud, he realized that he would not have time to navigate around a closed gate up ahead and crossed over to the left side of the trail. Um, He then left the travel portion of the trail and continued into a ditch where he had an ATV that was stuck. Uh, He got ejected and... I guess injured. So subsequently, they transported him to Anderskogen Valley Hospital in Berlin, or Berlin, for uh, evaluation. And I guess they interviewed the operator. I guess he sustained serious but non-life-threatening injuries. He was wearing a helmet and goggles, um, and it really doesn't make. Too much judgment sort of indicates that mm-hmm. in all cases, speed should be controlled so the operator will be able to avoid colliding with any person's vehicles or objects. So he was um, he was probably going a little bit too fast. Some of the commenters on Facebook learn how to drive. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. Sounds like he was following a bit too close. Speed and dust will get you every time. Learn so, how to drive. It's a kid. Yeah, yeah well, you know, oh, I guess. Oh, boy. Uh, fishing game is the next one here. Fishing game. Um, oh, sorry. Let me get reset. Vermont man killed when truck crashes off I-93 and plunges into the Connecticut River. So truck pulling from river after going down a bank. Uh, pulled from river. Yeah. So these are always scary here. So Vermont man was killed Tuesday when his pickup truck drifted off I-93 onto the Connecticut River in Littleton and plunged into the water. So this was yeah, a dog scary truck. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I, I forwarded that along was because fishing game was involved um, as it was associated with the waterways of the area so but what a horrific story it's just really sad yeah yeah scary so 44 year old gentleman in Concord Vermont was pronounced dead on the scene so um, doesn't give a ton of details other than it just sort of says you know let's give credit to the folks that were in the water risking their lives to try to get down and make a recovery Um, but other than that it really doesn't say anything around uh, what happened. I guess the vehicle drifted off the road, stuck a tree, and then traveled down an embankment into the river. Um, yeah. So, scary stuff. But what the, what the report doesn't say, the picture does say, and that bridge was hella high. Uh, I mean, it's just a horrible scene. Yeah, yeah. It, looked like they've, it looks like they've got straps around the vehicle, which tells me they must have a crane or something on pulling it out, but, I mean. Yeah. It's a big truck. So. Yeah. Um, and then the last one here is, this is somewhat of a common occurrence. So uh, climbers assisted off of Cannon Cliff. So 945 at night, uh, June 25th, fishing game was notified of two men who became stranded near the top of the Moby Grape climbing route. So um, Providence, Rhode Island gentleman in a Brooklyn, New York gentleman. So late 20s, they had made plans to ascend the multi-pitch route on Cannon Cliff during the day when they found themselves off the primary route while attempting to bypass the slab section. I guess they made several attempts of self-rescue and eventually said, screw it, let's call 911 around 9.15. Pemi Search and Rescue got there with... um, you know, some some of the climbers that had experience and they arrived at the access point of the climbing descent trail off the northern end of the Cannon Cliff. And um, I guess they were able to ascend the trail and after reaching a point above the climbers, an anchor point was established. And um, 
the the PEMI team member descended to the two men, and shortly thereafter, the men ascended up this established uh, rope back to the anchor point and prepared to descend um, to the hiking trail. So I guess they... Well, long night, though. Jesus. So rescue was safely... Yeah, well, it started at 9.50. Yeah. Yeah, they got them out there like four in the morning in the parking lot. Right. That's a long night. I wonder what time these guys started climbing. I Yeah, the report really doesn't say. Um, but it just goes to show you how long these events can take from the initiation to the completion. And just to make sure that the responders are safe. Interesting. Um, one more I got for you, Snop, that we didn't put on here, but I just caught okay. this earlier today. So this guy, remember Brian Laundry and Gabby Petito, the, the young blonde girl that got like killed, and then this guy was like on the run in Florida and ended up killing himself. Remember that that case? Oof. Not really. Yeah, Doesn't you ring remember. A bell. Yeah. So Gabby Petito, like they were like van lifers, and like she had gotten pulled over. Uh-huh. Um, pretty young lady. There was like video of her like talking to a cop and crying and all this stuff. Anyway, so a whole yep. big manhunt for this guy in Florida. So it turned out like he had killed her, but it turns out he claimed that he wrote in his notebook that um, they had been hiking in Utah. She got injured. She got cold. She was hypothermic, and he decided to like kill her to put her out of her misery. Uh, which is probably a bullshit story, but I found that interesting. So I'll put a, I'll put a link in the, the show notes for this guy as well. But that's sort of like the end of the story, I guess, from his perspective. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Crazy story. Huh. Um, but that's it, Stomp. I got a daughter waiting to do laundry, so I got to go. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Neeland of New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? Seems to me the most common is being unprepared, and I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.